Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray. God is nearby trying to warn you or tell you that you're doing something he don't like. To me, Curly, it's like God being the moon and the stars. At night, whenever I go out, the moon follow me all the time, like God is in it, watching me. Lenny, that ain't no God. What? God is real, Curly. Don't go around saying stuff like that. If he is real, he wouldn't let bad things happen to good people like my grandmama. Far as I can tell, the onlyest real thing is the devil. He shows up everywhere. I figure I might as well praise him instead of God. As far as I can tell, all the evil people in the world gets all the riches in the world. Must be what the devil wants. That's why all the good people get done wrong. They worship a God that don't give them a goddamn thing. Stop talking like that, Curly. You're talking like you're crazy. Like your mind got twisted or something. You must have been out in the sun too long. I ain't been out in the sun too long. I know what my name is, I know what a dead is, and my mind ain't abnormal. I'm telling you the truth, Lenny. No need to be afraid of truth. Curly finished cleaning the fish and headed into the house so that a meal could be prepared. Lenny Gray remained outside, looking up at the heavens and wondering why Curly didn't believe in God or see God the way she did. She did not understand that Curly was a secular man and not guided by the Holy Spirit. People in town enjoyed sitting around with narratives in their heads and unspoken words in their mouths. Sometimes, their internal stories were courageous and defiant, but most times, their narratives got stuck in conformity and misery. When they saw Lenny Gray on her father's porch one morning, it surprised them. After all, she had not been back to her father's shanty since she'd gotten married. They noticed her belly was as round as a cantaloupe and it gave them something to speak about other than their unavoidable suffering. Use carrying that baby kind of high means that you can have a baby girl. Robin May's voice carried itself across the road. Lenny Gray was on her knees washing soiled bedsheets in a tin tub because her father's wife, Lula Bell, had taken sick with the flu and didn't have the strength to get out of bed to use the night bucket. Robin May was an elderly midwife who had delivered a number of children, just like Curly's grandmother Mary had. Since Lenny Gray never got a chance to know her own mother, and since Ida wasn't known for her maternal instincts, she listened to women like Robin May, even though she knew they gossiped too much. She allowed whatever nugget of wisdom she could understand to fill the space in her heart and mind that longed for a mother figure. 
Now, look like you're carrying that baby high in your hips and butt. You was having a ball for sure, said Lorraine, who had six children. They were confusing her, and she didn't know what to make of all of their guessing. Lenny Gray, child, if you done had any dreams about snakes like you say you done had, you was having a boy, said her cousin, Tangy May, who had just exited the shanty opposite her. Tangy May had a small pot in her hand and started walking towards Lenny Gray. Lorraine and Robin May decided to keep the remainder of their comments to themselves. Lenny, I was wondering if I can get two cups of cornmeal from you out of your daddy's house. I know it ain't proper to ask you instead of his wife, but I don't want to be no bother while she down sick. Tangy May was 18, and like Lenny Gray, had dreams of leaving Alabama. Tangy May was a short and compact woman. Her skin was gingerbread brown, and she had a black mole on her upper lip, positioned close to her right nostril. She had four braids in her hair, one on the left side, right side, one at the top of her head, and one at the rear of it. My daddy say he ain't buying nothing from them quinnies this year. Say, when it come time for him to sell his account, he aims to come out ahead, seeing as how he won't have bought nothing from them quinnies that they can put against his account. How are y'all living if y'all ain't getting credit from the quinnies? Lenny Gray asked. My daddy is getting credit from other black folks. He done figured out in his head that black folks is going to be fair with one another when it comes time to pay back what he done borrowed. He figured that black folks ain't going to try to take them for everything we've earned. He had me keeping track of how much we borrow right here in this little book. Tangy May removed a small black book from her apron and showed Lenny Gray. Do he think that'll work? Lenny Gray asked Tangy May as she returned the book to her apron pocket. Tangy May shrugged her shoulders. Don't know. He ain't never tried it before. Makes sense to me, though. Well, are folks willing to give y'all credit? Some is, some ain't. Your folks been kind enough to go along, but I think that's because your daddy making a little more money selling moonshine. Anyway, my daddy say, at the end of the year, he should come out ahead, and that's all that matters to him. He says he should have plenty of money on the strength that he ain't bought no food or clothes from the Quintus store. Sure sound crazy, but it sound like something good, Lenny Gray said allowing the thought of what Tangy May's father was doing to walk around in her mind. I don't see why I can't, said Tangy May. So, can we get a little credit from you and your daddy, Lenny? I'm going to write it down in this here little book. Tangy May once again removed the black book and a small pencil. Tangy? I don't know. I don't feel right going in there without asking first. Lulabelle in the house. She awake? Well, kind of. Go ask. No, that's okay, said Tangy May, who had an immediate change of heart. It's okay. Ask her. Lenny Gray pointed towards the screen door that was dangling off of its hinge. Tangy May cupped her hands around her mouth and whispered directly into Lenny Gray's ear and asked, Can you please 
do it for me? Why are you acting all secret like? Because she scares me. She kind of mean, ain't she? Come on, Lenny. Ask for me. Please? I ain't ate nothing in four days. My daddy been out hunting for squirrel and possum, but he ain't caught neither one yet. Tangy, why didn't you say you was hungry? Ain't no need of you walking around starving half to death. I don't think my daddy thought about going hungry. I guess he figured we'd just get by. I guess he doing the best he can, Tangy. I suppose that's all any of us can do. I know, but but he is. I know, I know. You going hungry in the middle of all of it. I didn't figure that part out, said Lenny Gray. Come on inside, and I'll give you some soup that I done made to take with you. Thank you, Lenny. I'm going to write that down. Tangy, put that thing away. Me giving you a little food ain't going to harm nothing. By the time Lenny Gray made it back home, it was sundown, and Curly had just come out of the fields from a hard day's labor. Inwardly, Lenny Gray hoped that Curly wouldn't start the evening off by telling her of some horrible event that happened while he was working. But that hope faded away the moment he sat on the porch step and leaned his back against one of the support beams. Lenny! Curly said as he removed a piece of cloth from his back pocket. He wiped the sweat from his face and said, They found somebody cemetery dead out in the woods, just past the fields. Lord have mercy, Lenny Gray gasped. Lord wasn't there, Lenny. God didn't say that person from whatever or whoever it was that took their life, Curly said, as he took off his boot and noticed that the sole of it had a hole. He turned it upside down to shake out the pebbles that had been pricking him all day. Who was it that they found in the woods? Wife of the preacher who married us. The moment Curly said that, Lenny Gray felt as if weight had been placed on her shoulders. A superstitious thought snaked into her mind and whispered words of damnation to her. And you remember that girl, Deja Lou? Huh? Oh yeah, I know who she is. Something happened to her? She dropped dead in the field today. Curly snapped his fingers. One minute she was working, and the next she was face down in the dirt. She wasn't moving or nothing. She was gone. I heard she caught that flu bug, but refused to stay home and rest until she got better. Might be for the best, though. Times are hard. Oh, bless her heart. Who took her children? Way down in the field as her grandmama took them in. Hell, but she's sick, too. Jesus, help us. Lenny Gray bowed her head and placed her hands in a praying position. Jesus can't do nothing with this sickness that's going around, Curly said with certainty. This type of sickness must have come straight up from hell. Thoughts of death and helplessness were heavy burdens that chained themselves to a community who could do little to resist or fight it. Lenny Gray tried to thwart the unwanted thoughts and emotions that came with them, but they persisted, and she didn't know how to make them go away.
Later that evening, Curly positioned himself next to Lenny Gray, who was resting on the blankets they slept on. Curly placed his hands on her belly, and the baby pushed against it, causing Lenny Gray to groan. You think the baby knows me? Curly smiled without showing his teeth. Lenny Gray pushed his hand away from her stomach and tried not to allow the foul stench of Curly's musty body to upset her stomach. Probably so. You put it there, she answered. She lifted herself off the floor and grabbed a washcloth and fresh breeches for Curly. I'm going to church tonight and I want you to go. You need to wash your body. You can't go into the house of the Lord with me this evening smelling like that. Church? (laughs) I ain't going to nobody's church. Curly laughed. Curly, you need to hear God's word so that you stop thinking about evil things that are dark. Every time we talk, you always bringing up stuff that ain't got nothing to do with goodness or the Lord. You always talking about the devil, and some may write about that. Curly laughed. The devil ain't never bothered me none. Not one bit. So, I figure we got a good understanding. Besides, I ain't got no extra time to be wasting in church. I gotta try to figure out how to make some more money. Doing what? Whatever I can, Lenny. That baby will be here soon. It's October. And I know you need new shoes since your feet done grew from being pregnant. Hell, I need new shoes too. But I don't like the fact that you ain't got no shoes on your feet. And that baby's going to have needs too. Curly rolled over onto his back. He removed a flask with moonshine from his pocket and took long, deep gulps. I thought you were making a few extra coins with Tom and the moonshine. I was making just a little bit. It ain't like Tom was giving me a whole lot to begin with. Besides, them damn quinnies changed things up. They decided not to give us as much for helping them. Why? Why you asking questions I ain't got the answer to? Curly's mood changed on a dime, and it startled Lenny Gray. Curly suddenly seemed irritated and angry. He stood up and tried to speak his mind, but... The right words and thoughts had trouble forming. So he stomped his foot down because he was inarticulate and did not know how to cope with his low self-confidence and growing reality of failure. Curly's behavior had an immediate impact on Lenny Gray. She felt an adrenaline jolt rush through her body, followed by fear and finally paralysis. The tension that wedged itself between them seemed to last an eternity. Finally, after several more gulps of moonshine, Curly spoke. I had to sign up for the wall, Curly said, leaning over and spitting into a nearby tin cup. War? You can't go off to war. You got a baby coming. You could get killed over there. I could get killed right here, Lenny. At least I could make some money and send it back to you. I think I would feel better knowing that you got some kind of cash. I don't want you to get tricked into working for free, like me or my grandmama. Well, ain't you got money coming in from the crops you and your daddy are growing? Ain't no money in crops if people ain't buying at a fair price, Lenny. Curly, if there ain't no money in it, then why are you working so hard doing it? Curly looked at Lenny Gray 
as if she had just insulted him. His eyes turned into flames of rage, his chest heaved, and he told himself that she had just attacked him. It was his fragile ego and pride that took the hit of her words. He was doing the best that he could, and it wasn't enough. To add insult to injury, she implied that he was stupid for working at something that offered so little in return. Say something like that to me again, Lenny, and I swear I'll put you in your place. Curly's words were cruel and carried a promise that would come to pass if she ever made him feel low again. But Lenny Gray didn't understand why her question made him turn against her. She only wanted to help to find a solution to their problems. But his pride was too delicate and his ears were too clogged to hear and understand her question. Submitting to his temper, Lenny Gray lowered her head and quietly said, I don't want you going to no wall, Curly. I ain't got much of a choice. If they say I got to go, then I got to go. Curly, are you telling me they didn't already told you that you got to go to the wall? No, I ain't heard nothing about them saying I've got to go. It's too soon, I guess. But if they did, it would help. Searching for something else his mind could focus on, Curly picked up the dirt beneath his fingernails. When I go to church, I'm going to pray and ask God not to let them send you away. Curly released a low, evil chuckle. God ain't gonna help us, Lenny. How many times I gotta say that to you before it sinks into your head? I don't believe that, Curly. You mean to tell me that you like me so much now that you're gonna ask the Lord to help you keep me near you? I thought all you wanted to do was run off. Like you said earlier, I ain't got much of a choice. I figure if you're crazy enough to marry me, then... I can be crazy enough to want to keep you around. Huh. Do that mean you finally learned how to love me in your heart? Curly asked, softening his tone. It just means I'm giving you a chance. You can't win all of me if you ain't around. Lenny Gray paused in thought and then said her next word cautiously. Curly... You like two people in one body. Sometimes you let me see the softer, kinder side. Other times you are as furious as a dog with rabies. I'm hoping that you'll learn how to be softer all the time. The hell are you talking about? I am nice all the time. No, you ain't, Curly. But I'm willing to give you a chance to be. Lenny Gray rubbed her belly and groaned a little as the baby shifted positions. Lenny, I am the way I am. Can't nobody change me. Curly gulped down more moonshine. God can. Then tell him to change me right now. Better yet, tell him to give me some money and give me all the nice things that them Quinnish got. It don't work like that, Curly. Work like that for white folks. They pray all the time and gets exactly what they want. So why don't it work for us like that? Why do we got to live this way? Why do they get to have all the say-so in everything? I don't know, Curly. 
Lenny Gray answered guardedly because she saw how Curly's temperament was shifting yet again. That's because God don't like us. That's the truth of it, Lenny, and you know it. The sooner you accept that, the better. So, what do you think? The devil loves us? Maybe. Then ask the devil to fix your problems. What do you want from the devil? Curly paused and thought for a moment, then gulped down the last of his moonshine, which burned the back of his throat. I tell the devil to give me plenty of money and kill anybody who is standing in my way. You don't mean that. Sure I do. Curly met Lenny Gray's gaze. That's that moonshine talking, Lenny Gray uttered, trying not to take Curly's irrationality serious. Nah, that's me, Lenny, talking. That's all me. Hi, this is Earl Sewell, author, creator, and narrator of the audio drama podcast, Lenny Gray. I wanted to stop in to say thank you to the listeners of the show. This show has been listened to in a number of countries, and I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the people in the following countries for listening to this podcast. And here they are in no particular order. China. The U.S., Hong Kong, Russia, Colombia, South America, Argentina, South America, Australia, Finland, Hungary, Germany, France, Ireland, England, the Philippines, Bulgaria, Italy, Canada, Nigeria, and South Africa. I don't know who you are, but I do know that you're tuning into the show weekly or bi-weekly uh, for that matter. I know that you're tuning into this podcast bi-weekly, and I wanted to give you a personal thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I really appreciate you for taking the time to listen to my creativity. Also, please feel free to share a link to this podcast on all of your social media websites and recommend it to friends. The second thing, if you want a little bit more about the Lenny Gray uh, podcast, I have a Facebook group that you can go and join. It's called Lenny Gray Audio Drama Podcast. It's a Facebook group. It's free to join. You can go over there and you can get some behind the scenes stuff about the podcast and a little bit more about me. I hope you will take the time to join me in that group. And the last thing that I want to share with you. Lenny Gray is just one of about 25 novels I've written. Lenny Gray is one that I turned into a podcast. I have a number of other works. Another one of my works is called Keisha's Drama. 
It's book one in an eight book series, and it's a young adult series. So for those of you who have young adult readers and you want to give them some really good reading, then try out Keisha's drama. What is about to follow is an excerpt from that novel. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, and by the way, you can download Keisha's Drama wherever books are sold via Amazon, via uh, Barnes & Noble, or Books A Million. I hope you enjoy this excerpt from Keisha's Drama. I'm really not the type of girl who likes to get caught up in a lot of drama. But sometimes I feel like drama is closer to me than my own shadow. And sometimes situations become explosive, like an earth-shattering thunderclap that comes with strong spring storm. I know that's a messed up way to think about my life, but it's true. I just saw my so-called boyfriend Ronnie at the movie theater with his arm around a girl from school. There I was at a movie by my damn self because he told me that he couldn't hang out because he had to study for a chemistry exam. He was working on chemistry, but not the type that was in a book. He didn't even see me in the darkness of that movie theater. He sat two rows in front of me. He started whispering in her ear as he fed her his nachos. When I saw him do that, I lost my cool. I jumped up out of my seat, took the lid off my slushie, walked down the steps toward them and said, you need something to help drink with that? And threw my drink on him. Then the messed up part is the fact that I had to hustle up on the money to even go to the movie theater by braiding hair for some badass kids. And not only is the Ronnie situation messed up, my whole life is messed up. And I just don't know what to do. (laughs) 